Matt Halliday resigns as the bench coach of the St. Louis Cardinals. What happened? And is this really such a bad thing for the team? Jim Bowden broke down his top remaining free agents and thinks one of them could be a good fit for the Cardinals. And does the Trevor Story injury open up the door for a Paul DeYoung trade to Boston? We'll talk about it all today on Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Hafford, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan. And I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio or follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. On iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast. you can find us on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe and comment so you can interact with us. Hit that notification button so you know when the new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. The Matt Holiday era in St. Louis is over. Again, well, sort of. It's not It's not like Matt Holiday did something bad here, right? And it's not like he's been jettisoned from the Cardinals family, but he did resign on Thursday from his role as bench coach with the team just two months after accepting that position. Now, before Holiday even was announced as the bench coach for the team, many of us speculated that he may not accept the job due to the amount of time that that particular role demands. Not only is it a 162-game season, but there's really no off days when it comes to a coaching staff. Uh, you've got to go to spring training. Uh, hopefully, you've got the postseason to worry about. It's a 110% dedication type of job. And if you can't commit to all of that, then that's not the type of job for you. And Holiday was going to be taking over for Skip Schumacher, who is now the new manager for the Miami Marlins. He's very good friends with manager Ali Marmel. So it seemed like a really good fit. Um, Holiday had expressed interest in coaching within the organization for the last couple of years. And uh, last season, we all know that he volunteered to help coach with his brother at Oklahoma State, seemed to like that. But he had some freedom there. You know, he, he didn't have to be around there all the time. And when you take this particular job with a major league baseball team, you got to be there every single day. And I, I think that was the problem. And that's why it kind of surprised a lot of us that he took the job in the first place. Now, according to Katie Wu at The Athletic, Holiday resigned due to personal reasons and that he wanted to spend more time with his family. Now, honestly, is anybody going to be mad at Matt Holiday? for using that reasoning as the reason why he had to resign. You know, if that's why he's making this decision, then that's great. He loves his family and he wants to be around his family. That's not a bad thing. Uh, Katie also says this in her newest article on The Athletic. Holiday's resignation comes as a surprise to the organization, especially given the timing. Just one month ago, the former Cardinal was lauded by Marmel and Schumacher as the ideal man for the job. Now, Holiday's son certainly factored, factored into the decision. Jackson Holiday, if you remember, was selected by the Orioles as the number one pick in the 2022 draft. His younger son, Ethan, will be turning 16 this year and is already projected to be a top amateur draft pick in 2025. 
when you've got a 16-year-old son, I'm not a father, but if you have a 16-year-old son, I would assume you'd want to watch him and his career in high school as he progresses toward whatever his future is going to be, whether it's going to college baseball, whether it's getting drafted like Jackson was. He wants to be around for that. And I'll say this, I'm gladly that I'm glad that Holiday made this decision at this point, that he did it now rather than later when such a situation actually might have caused more turmoil because having it done now, the team can now go out and grab someone else that they feel comfortable with. And it doesn't, you know, screw anything up. They don't miss a beat as they head into spring training, which is exactly what the franchise has decided to do. The team moved swiftly and hired former Cardinal Joe McEwing, who most recently served as the White Sox, their base coach. Uh, selected by the Cardinals back in 1992, McEwing played two seasons with the Redbirds in 98-99. He then played for the Mets for five years, then one year with the Royals, then he goes to Houston before calling it a career back in 2006. He's 50 years old now, comes to St. Louis after spending 15 years in the White Sox organization. He also served as a bench coach under manager Rick Renteria from 2017 to 2020. Now McEwing joins new hitting coach Turner Ward, who's taking over for Jeff Albert. And then you've got Dusty Blake, who's taking over for Mike Maddox. So those are going to be the three main coaches, along with manager Ali Marmel. And I'm someone that believes that change is good in most aspects of life. And to have some new faces and some new voices leading this team is a good thing, you know, because outside of uh, Wilson Contreras signing with the team, this is pretty much the same team as the Cardinals had last year. They're kind of they're kind of running this thing back, you know. I mean, obviously Molina and Pujols are gone. Uh, Corey Dickerson is gone now, but like the main core of this team, it's still here. And perhaps having some new voices and the the new coaching staff that that will provide maybe an air of freshness, if you will, around the team. At least that's how I'm I'm choosing to look at it. That that that's what it could provide. Um, We've all had it in sports and in jobs uh, throughout our careers that the same voice repeating the the same stuff over and over and over, it grows tired. And eventually you just kind of tune it out. You know, like when your parents used to yell at you for doing something and you constantly did it over and over, eventually you just tune it out and you don't want to hear it anymore. So this coaching turnover could be just what the doctor ordered. And I'm sure the door is open for, for Matt Holiday to come back whenever he really wants to uh, in the future when he's ready to kind of re-engage with his coaching aspirations. Um, you know, just looking at what his his one son, who's going to be 16 and then graduates in 2025, maybe after that he's ready to commit. You know, maybe that's something that uh, can happen later on down the line, but probably going to be a couple of years until that happens. So um, we wish nothing but the best for Matt Holiday. It's not like he won't be around. I'm sure we'll we'll get to hear more from him at some point. But uh, as of right now, you know, I'm glad I'm glad he spoke up and I'm glad he was like, you know what, my my I can't give it the attention I want to. So why don't I step aside and let somebody who who can do it the way it needs to be done step in. And that guy is going to be Joe McEwing for the team this year. Now, Jim Bowden from The Athletic dropped another write-up about the top remaining free agents, and he thinks the Cardinals could be a good fit for one pitcher that is still out there. I'm going to tell you who that is next on Locked on Cardinals. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to basketball, hockey, uh, the Blues actually on tonight. And um, they've got it all at BetOnline.net. 
NFL playoffs. You got that happening this weekend. In the first game, it's going to be an NFC West battle on Saturday with the Seahawks at the 49ers. San Francisco currently nine and a half point favorites. Game two will be the Chargers at the Jaguars with the Chargers as two and a half point favorites on the road in Jacksonville. In fact, I believe the Jacksonville and Chargers game is the first game of the day. And then it's the uh, Seahawks and the 49ers later on. But, um, that's going to be a tough one, I think, for the Chargers. If there's one of these games where I'm really worried about where it's an upset thing, Chargers got to go to the East Coast. They got to play an early game. And Jacksonville playing pretty darn good down the stretch. Uh, that's that's one I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, Sunday, you got the Bills, 13-point favorites over the Dolphins, who will be without Tua Tonga-Vailoa at quarterback. Uh, Vikings, just three over the Giants. Bengals, nine over the Ravens. They're going to be without Lamar Jackson. And then you've got Dallas at the Bucks. Cowboys, two-and-a-half-point favorites over Tom Brady and company. That's another one where I'm kind of like, I don't know, man. It's hard to bet against Tom Brady, you know? Uh, bet Online is always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, so head to their website today, or you can use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. Be sure to check out Locked On MLB Prospects as well. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. So the Athletics Jim Bowden has written a new article about the top 12 remaining free agents on the market and who he thinks would be good fits for each one of them. And he mentions the Cardinals on one of these 12 free agents. And to be honest, it's not the most exciting name in the world. Yeah, because uh, the Cardinals have already had this guy once before, and his name is Michael Waka. Now, in the article, he mentions that Waka, who he actually lists as the number one remaining free agent, at number two, it's got uh, outfielder Jerkson Profar. Number three, he's got shortstop Elvis Andrews. Number four, pitcher Zach Greinke. Number five, DH Trey Mancini. Number six, outfielder Andrew McCutcheon. Number seven, outfielder Adam Duvall. Number eight, it's utility man Josh Harrison. Number nine, shortstop Jose Iglesias. Number 10, it's catcher Gary Sanchez. Number 11, outfielder David Peralta. And then at number 12, it's outfielder Tommy Pham. But here's what Bowden says about Waka. Waka is the best starting pitcher left on the free agent market after going 11-2 and with a 3.32 ERA for the Red Sox last year. His downward plane has always been a difference maker. He owns an impressive career record of 74-50 and with a 4.05 ERA in 204 starts and 21 relief appearances. However, he hasn't pitched more than 128 innings in a season since 2017. Several contending teams need starting pitching depth and several others that likely won't contend would love to sign him with the idea of flipping him at the trade deadline so Waka has no shortage of options. His best fits, according to Jim Bowden, are the Cardinals, the Red Sox, the Orioles, Twins, and the Padres. Now, bringing Michael Waka back to the Cardinals, it wouldn't be a bad thing, right? Like, Michael Waka never really did anything wrong other than he had trouble staying healthy when he was wearing a Cardinals uniform. But he's not exactly what this team needs now, is he? Yeah, he's not a he's not a number one starter by any means. Uh, just to give you some background, in case you're unfamiliar with the history of Michael Walk and the Cardinals, he was their first round pick in 2012, 19 overall. A little uh, trivia question here for you: uh, Who did the Cardinals receive that pick from? The answer is the Angels. They got that 19th pick from the Angels because the Angels signed Albert Pujols away. From the Cardinals. So that's kind of an, uh, an interesting little trivia question for you. Uh, he pitched really well the rest of 2012 in the minor leagues and then began the next season at AAA Memphis. He goes 4 0, has an ERA of 2.05 in his first nine games. They call him up. 
He got sent back down at one point later in that season, but then gets brought back up in August and never went back. Was on the team the rest of the way. Then in the playoffs, we saw the best of Michael Walker, right? Remember, he dominated. He beats the Pirates in the uh, Game 4 elimination game in the NLDS. Then in the NLCS, he beats Clayton Kershaw not once but twice. Throws 13 and two-thirds innings of shutout ball. Earns the NLCS MVP. He wins game two in the World Series against the Red Sox, but then he gets beat up in game six as Boston takes the championship at the future. I mean, we're thinking we just landed a golden goose when you're the Cardinals, right? You know, you got this guy, number 19 pick a year later. He's winning the NLCS MVP for you, leading you to the World Series against the Boston Red Sox. Sky's the limit. He's only 21 years old. 2014 season gets off to a decent start, but after dealing with fatigue and discomfort and his throwing shoulder, Here's where the problems begin. He gets placed on the DL in June. They find that stress fracture in his scapula. Remember, we didn't even know what a scapula was. And we're like, wait, what happened to him? Why why is he hurt? So that gets discovered. He doesn't throw again for the team until September. He makes four starts. Doesn't go any further than five innings in any of them. And then, for some reason, Mike Matheny decides, you know what? Let's bring in Waka. (laughs) against the Giants with the season on the line. And that's where it ended. 2014 season ends with Waka and the team. He gives up a three-run homer to Travis Ishikawa of the Giants in the ninth inning of that game five of the NLCS. His only appearance in the postseason in a move that former manager Mike Matheny was severely ridiculed for because it's not like Waka looked that great going into the postseason. And then they just bring him in with the season on the line and he gets repped, gives up a three-run home run, season over. Everybody's like, what are you doing, Matheny? 2015 season was arguably his best season. He goes 17 and 7, 3.38 ERA, makes his only all star game, but he'll be remembered for getting lit up by the Cubs in his only appearance in the playoffs that year as well. Remember, he gave up three home runs and four and a third innings in game three of the NLDS, a game the Cardinals end up losing eight to six. Uh, Cubs go on to win that series. 2016. More injuries, deals with right shoulder inflammation, misses over a month, only makes 24 starts. 2017, he makes 30 starts, goes 12-9, and ERA, 4.13. Not awful, but uh, not exactly what we saw a couple of years previous where we're thinking, like, he's going to be the ace of this staff. Then in 2018, he was looking good through the first two months, almost throws a no-no in his first start in June uh, against the Pirates, Uh, wins his second game in the month, but then gets crushed by the Cubs, and then lasts just three and two-thirds against the Phillies. Goes back on the DL, oblique strain. Those time around, misses the rest of the year. Out for the rest of the year because of an oblique strain. 2019, he struggles going back and forth between the starting rotation and the bullpen. Goes 6-7, and seven, 4.76 ERA. Becomes a free agent in the offseason. The Cardinals are ready to move on. So it's Waka, signs a one-year deal with the Mets. That ends up being the COVID season. Not good for him. 1-4, ERA 6.62. Next year goes to Tampa Bay. 23 starts, goes just 3-5, and ERA over 5. Things aren't looking good for Waka. So Boston grabs him this past year, and he goes on the DL a couple times here. Intercostal irritation in May, goes on the IL, goes on the IL again in July with shoulder inflammation, comes back in August, and goes 4-0, 2.19 ERA. What? Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, Waka looking great. But then he comes back to earth in September, October, goes 1-1, 5.57 ERA. Now he's a free agent again. And the thing is, um, the Cardinals don't need Michael Walker, do they? Is there anything about Michael Walker where you're just like, that, whatever that is, that particular uh, trait is what the Cardinals are missing? 
I don't see it. He doesn't improve them in any way, shape, or form, in my opinion. He'd just be another depth arm, and I'm sure someone else could use his services and uh, will be willing to pay for them before spring training begins. But this is not one of those move-the-needle type of moves that this rotation or this pitching staff needs. So I'm willing to pass on Michael Waka. Would the Red Sox be interested in a different St. Louis Cardinal player. Not that Michael Waka is, but at least he's a former one. But uh, would the Red Sox be interested in Paul DeYoung? Paul DeYoung is a, a name that's been brought up now that Trevor Story is going to be out for a significant amount of time. We're going to talk about that next on Locked on Cardinals. We wrap things up today with, uh, I don't know, more of a question than anything, but the Red Sox got some bad news this week when it was announced that Trevor Story had to have an internal bracing procedure done on his throwing elbow, so his right elbow, which is described as a modified Tommy John surgery. So he's going to be out anywhere from four to six months. This is not what the Boston Red Sox wanted to hear, right? After already losing Xander Bogarts to free agency, he signs with the San Diego Padres on that crazy deal. So the Red Sox were like, okay, we lock up Rafael Devers. We're doing okay, right? Things are going back the way we need it to be. We'll move Story over to, uh, we'll slide him over to shortstop from second base, and things will be fine. Not the case anymore. Now he's going to miss, if not, basically he's going to miss most of the first half, if not all of the first half of the season. So who has a shortstop? Off the top of your head, who has a shortstop available that the Red Sox could use until Trevor Story returns? How about the Cardinals? That's right. We've got an all-star, a former all-star sitting on our bench who is just looking for a new opportunity. His name's Paul DeYoung, by the way, in case you're wondering. Uh, has lost his starting job and uh, can pretty much be had for basically nothing, probably. I can't imagine it would take uh, much to pull Paul DeYoung away from the Cardinals. Although the Cardinals do seem content to, to give Paul DeYoung another shot at playing on this team next year, right? Um I heard on the radio just the other day, I was listening and uh, uh, backup catcher, Andrew Kisner. Kisner was on the air talking with the guys on uh, 590 The Fan and said that uh, DeYoung had been working on his swing and, uh, you know, he's kind of retooling things a little bit and he looks good during their workouts in Florida. I mean, he's not going to say that he looks bad, right? He's not going to say, yeah, we're working out with Paul DeYoung. He looks terrible. He looks like he can't hit still, and he's going to pull out another below 200 batting average in 2023. He's not going to say that. We all want Paul DeYoung to be good. Like that, we wish that he was the guy that we saw a couple of years ago. I mean, before COVID, the guy smashed 30 dingers in a season, drove in 78, and we were hoping that we were going to see more of that, if not better numbers. You know, and it just has not happened. It just really hasn't. He wasn't awful during that COVID 2020 shortened season, but man, has he regressed ever since. Like it has just been ugly. His batting average drops to 197 in 2021. And then last year, he's down to 157, spent a ton of time in the minor leagues last year. And it's not like he was lighting it up at AAA either. So a change of scenery seems like the best option for, for both sides, right? Problem is, Paul DeYoung is set to make $9 million this year, and uh, with his decline, nobody nobody really wants him unless the Cardinals pay most of that contract, which they've done that before. If you remember, that when they moved uh, Dexter Fowler to the Angels, they took on a lot of that salary. You know, Then that was more expensive. Fowler was making $14.5 million at the time, and the Cardinals paid 12.75 of that when they moved him. So it's not like they're not willing to bite the bullet on some of that contract. There are plenty of other options for Boston, obviously, that are probably 
better than Paul DeYoung. I mean, free agents out there, look at these names. Elvis Andrews, Jose Iglesias, Andrelton Simmons, uh, Didi Gregorius. They're all still out there. So I would assume that Boston would grab one of them before they move on to the trade market. But, you know, it was something that people were bringing up on Twitter in the comments section. So I thought, you know, we talk about it a little bit. We've addressed it. And I just I don't think Paul DeYoung is getting traded. I don't think there's much of a market out there for him. And I think you're going to see him in a Cardinals uniform when spring training begins next month, which, by the way, the official announcement came down today that uh, pitchers and catchers report on February 15th. Full squad coming in on February 20th, so a little over a month away before the Cardinals start spring training in Jupiter, Florida, which is hard to believe. Doesn't seem like the season's been over that long, but uh, it has, and we're already looking forward to 2023. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, so be sure to check them out if you would. Be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time on Locked on Cardinals. 